0: Um, I also want to read you guys scripture as we stand up and get ready to worship. Um, Out of Psalm 34, it says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all those who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell the Lord's greatness and let's all exalt his name. guys
1: maybe see you this morning you always surprise me with just the one song whoa hey not ready yet not quite not not quite prepped ready to go man give me a little more hey if you didn't get a john journal yet please grab one they're located Luke. luke i said john thank you for correcting me i asked you to do that I always am going, John journal just flows off the tongue. This is a Luke journal. They're absolutely for you, Um, and when we run out, I'll order more, because we're going to be in in a while. We'll continue to uh, bring people into this. Uh, This is just a great way to follow along, take notes. They're on those black tables on your way out. If you don't see one, get me, and I will find one for you, okay? So make sure you you grab one of those. It's just a great way to take notes as we go. Uh, Second of all, every week, um, I don't remember to mention this, so it's completely my fault, and I need to do better, Um, but every week we have folks uh, that are visiting, friends, family, people that just just come in to the building. and hopefully you guys do a good job of of greeting them. Maybe you brought them. If you brought them, then on their way out, please get them a welcome bag. If they're a new visitor this morning, please get them a welcome bag on their way out. But the second thing, if you are the visitor, we would love to connect with you. Um, We would love to contact you. I love to meet up with you and meet you for lunch or something and find out more about you and your life and let you learn about me. If you want to know, you may not, that's fine. Um, But I just really enjoy getting to know people because that's really what ministry is about, is relationships with people. Um, and it's such a fabulous thing. So t- if you would take a second and pull that connect card out from that chair back in front of you and fill that out. If you're visiting or if you've been here a while, maybe haven't ever connected with us, you can indicate on there you'd like to get on our prayer lists and email lists and things like that. Um, if you'd like to be added to the directory, the digital directory, then we can uh, send you a link to do that. And then you'll call in and we'll help you finish it because some people have some difficulties and that's okay. We help you in the office. It's wonderful, wonderful thing. All right. Uh, excited. It's, it's just an exciting morning. Thank you to everybody that participated in last night. Uh, some of you probably didn't know about last night, but we had, a, <laughs> was it a good time last night? Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, good food. Uh, we had a, a big uh, holiday dinner and you're like, but it's not the holidays yet. Yes, that's the point. We're kind of kicking things off, you see? Uh, we're getting it going and uh, avoiding all the holidays because everybody's busy around those times, and we know that. And so we moved it just ahead of everything. And it was a great, great night of fun and, and some fellowship and some people doing some goofy things and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it, was, it was a good time. We we'll look forward to next year. Next year, you can all join us um, for that event. All right, let's pray, and then we'll dive deep into the book of John today. Father God, uh, John, I said John again, I meant Luke. <sighs> Father God, I don't know why I do that. I, I, you know that I'm in love with the book of John. And uh, that's okay. Father, as we open your word today. Would you please allow us to see what you would have us to see? Father, they may not hear a word I say today, and that is just fine as long as you are the one speaking to them. Let the outside voices go away. Let the distractions, the concerns, the issues, the problems that exist for every single one of us in this world, would, would you just help us set those aside? so we can fully focus on you this morning. Father, we love you. That's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 7 here in a little bit, so you can turn, I said Luke, did you see that? We're going to be in Luke chapter 7 here in just a minute, so if you've got your Luke journal, you can go ahead and turn to there. Um, if you don't, there's their Bible, and the seat's underneath the, the chair in front of you, hopefully. Sometimes they're a little difficult to pull out, but that's because they're a big font. I wanted ones that were easily readable for this room, and so uh, that's why they're a little hard to get out. We know they're kind of challenging, but we think it's worth the trade of actually being able to see the words. Um, you can't see them. There's no point in opening it. So, so there you go. If you were with us last week, um, this is directed specifically to you. If you weren't with us last week, then please take a moment and go back and watch last week's or listen to last week's online so that this will make full sense. It's applicable to everyone, trust me. But if you were here last week, it's especially for you. Last week, during the last seven days, since last time we met in this place, were you tempted at all are you tempted at all? When you, when you take a week like we did last week and you talk about a very specific topic like temptation, then oftentimes right after that, you, you kind of uh, are on heightened alert for the things happening around you. We become a little more sensitive to the ways that the evil one is trying to get at us, trying to get us to give in. But let me assure you that that will wear off. Let me just assure you, it might have worn off this week for you. If not, it will soon, because you might not even notice the things you're tempted by. The reality is, when you give in, it's no longer a temptation, is it? When it just becomes part of your life, mm, it's not really a big deal. It's who we are. It won't even cross your mind to fight against that temptation with the word of God as Jesus demonstrated for us last week. We probably won't even notice all of the opportunities that God has provided for us to escape such as temptation. We might even just forget the promise that he made to provide that way out for us because we just give in too much. But don't worry. Don't worry. We'll tell ourselves that it's okay. It's not our fault, right? It's America. It's never our fault. It's somebody else's. Yeah, that's what we do. Someone or something else is always to blame for all of our ills. The reality of this behavior for the believer is this. When we come to hear the word of God, but we don't apply it, when we don't dwell on it, we don't continue to consider it throughout the week, the month, the year, or even our entire lives, we have issues, don't we? The struggle is real. The battle against sin is real. It's a daily battle. And here's what's beautiful. Our world has now given us the chance to lose everything, literally, to mess up our entire lives at any moment in time. It's wonderful. I think it used to be harder to really completely ruin your life than it is today. Like today, we can do it just like that. We can just absolutely do it. But don't worry, once again, Satan's got it. He's got this all figured out. As a matter of fact, this is hard to say, but it's true. Um, In some ways, sometimes Satan is really glad you're here. And you might say, now that doesn't make any sense. No, really, just be sure to listen carefully and then go right on your way after service and pretend like nothing ever happened. And then come back next week and do the exact same thing again. There's nothing more Satan would love for you to do than that. We get stuck. The battle is real. We pretend as if it's not. So believers, the question is, will we rise up against the sin and against the depravity of this culture, of this world? Will we work? I know, I said that word. Work, it takes work to become more and more like Jesus, our Savior. To love others with the love of Jesus is work. It's not always easy <laughs> to love those that hate us. Family, this thing here, the word of God, it has all the answers. All of them are here, and God wants to show them to us, but but he needs us to take them to heart, Just revealing them isn't enough. We have to apply them to our lives to be doers of the word. James, the half-brother of Jesus, son of Mary and Joseph, said it in chapter 1, verse 22. It's such a powerful verse. Do you believe it? You don't know it we'll read it here in just a second will you begin right now listen to this verse examining your life and challenging yourself am i living this out or evaluating okay how can i begin to live out this verse to put this into practice verse 22 of james chapter 1 says this do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. (laughs) For some of us, for the first time in our lives, this battle that existed in this world out there is now at your doorstep. Actually, it's in your house. It's on your TV. It's on the radio in your car. It's fully integrated into your kids' school and education, their classroom, on their sports teams. Parents, grandparents, we have a fight on our hands. Are we willing? Are we prepared for this battle? God will give us all that we need. He has given us all we need, to be honest. And he's even provided a family, a family right here to stand shoulder to shoulder with in this battle. You are not alone. Whatever you are going through, and I mean whatever, there is someone here in this room this morning or someone that is joining us online this morning that has been there and gone through it or is going through the same thing that you are right now. And God, miraculously, has brought you together. Now you're looking at me and saying, Pastor, but how would I know? Right, that's your job. Meet them. How do you meet them? Here's what you do. You go up to somebody, you extend your hand in Christian fellowship, you say, Hi, my name is, how you doing? And then they say, well, I'm good. And that's a lie, because that's what we say to everyone. And so you got to dig a little deeper. And you got to have a conversation And see what God does. Don't leave here alone. Satan's waiting for you. (laughs) Don't leave here alone. Actually, quite honestly, Satan might even sneak in here. Believe it or not, he can do that. And here's how he does it. You might be thinking right now, you know what, pastor? That's all well and good, but I'm good. I don't really need anyone in my life right now. Matter of fact, I'm good. I'm not really dealing with anything. As a matter of fact, Pastor, if you could just go ahead and get to Luke chapter seven for today, then that would be awesome because then I can go ahead and get to lunch with my family, and I'll be good. I can already tell you who's won the battle in your heart and soul and mind right now. If that's what you're thinking, and it's not God, <laughs> and there's only two options. Here's my prayer. This is pretty bold. I understand it, but here's my prayer. Every time we gather. Is that for there to be a moment soon, very soon actually, when the Spirit moves in this place and among these people, and we all, myself included, get it? And I mean really get it. What would that look like in your life? What would that look like if you really got it? Now you're like, Pastor, what do you mean get it? Well, here's what I mean. If Jesus is really real, if he really did the things that we're studying right now, if he really lived a perfect life and willingly gave up that life to die on a cross for your sins and for mine, if he really came back to life three days later, taking with him the burden of sin and shame and offering the gift of eternal life, not just eternal life, but even life to the fullest right now. If you and I really get that, then things will be different, will they not? And you and I can just go ahead and tell Satan who might just be whispering in your ear right now to shut up and get out of my life, leave me alone, leave my spouse alone, leave my kids alone, leave my schools alone, leave my community alone? What has God made you passionate about? And have you had that conversation with him? How can we, the church, help prepare you better for whatever battle you're facing? How can we come alongside you and partner with you as you face those battles? That's what we're to do as a family of God. And that is why we're going through Luke together. That's why we're building this foundation. That's because we have to be certain of what we believe. We have to be certain that we want to be on this team with our God. We have to know that we are on God's side. And we have to learn his plan for our lives. We have to fight as he leads us to fight. We can't go rogue and do our own thing out there in this world. We will fail miserably. We have to follow his plan because here's what's awesome. God wins. (laughs) Which means if you are on his side and you are one of his children, then you win. I don't care how big of a loser you think you are at life. If you're on his team, you are victorious and whatever you're facing right now, you can overcome. There's victory. There's victory for you, there's victory for us. So I have a simple question for you this morning. Is there anyone here this morning that is ready to fight? Just a few of you. (laughs) I'm waiting for that moment one day when we all get it, and I mean really get it. Are you willing to fight this morning? I hope so. If you're not on his team yet, if you haven't joined the family yet, if you are tired of being alone in this world, there is no need to be that way any longer. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to begin in chapter 7 of Luke today. Now, this is an odd sequence. I told you that it would be. Um, We're going to go ahead and end the ministry of John the Baptist today. We're going to close that out with what uh, he kind of finishes with. We don't hear much from him after this moment. Then next week, we're going to go backwards ever so slightly to discuss a, a topic which is very relevant to Thanksgiving. And then we're going to go backwards ever so slightly a little bit more to talk about the very first miracles of Jesus. As a matter of fact, next week is our first in the new section of this series called, Is It Time? And we're going to literally study all of the miracles of Jesus that are recorded in the book of Luke together. That will be followed by a study of all the teachings that Jesus has throughout the book of Luke. We've combined these things all together for you. Um, so that's what we're doing. It's a little odd these next three weeks, but then we go back to being in order, so to speak, if you will. All right, so bear, bear with me in that. Let's set up this passage, all right? Jesus' ministry has just begun. He's, he's just started. He started teaching. He started healing. He's, he's even started selecting his own disciples as we'll see a little bit next week. The word about Jesus is spreading really, really fast. If you were here with us a few weeks ago, then you remember that we last left John the Baptist in prison. <laughs> poor guy. Um, It was right before the the baptism of Jesus, we find out that John is actually in prison. And it's unclear whether or not he was in prison and back out, if he was in and out a few times, or if he remained there the entire time. We don't know that to be the case. He's just awaiting his execution ultimately from King Herod. So as we pick up today, here's what's happened. John's disciples, he had followers just like Jesus had. As you were a person and you chose to follow a teacher like that, you became their disciple. That was a very common name. It seems like John's disciples as he's in prison have now begun to witness some of the things that Jesus was doing. So they've gone back now to John in prison to share some of the information that they have discovered. They've shared some of the revolutionary teachings that Jesus is presenting to them. We've got to remember some things here. These men have been following John and John has told them who he is. This is why I'm here. This is who God created me to be. This is my role on this earth. Now these guys are going out and they're seeing this Jesus guy who John says may be the Messiah. And they're watching him do these incredible, incredible things beyond their wildest imagination. And they're asking questions. Who is this? What's going on here? John's perspective. John's perspective is unique as well. He knows why he's here. There's no doubt about it at all. He knows why he's here. His work is to prepare the way for the Messiah. And here's what I've always wondered. Did John the Baptist and Jesus ever meet up in private and compare notes? Did they ever bounce ideas off one another? Hey, John, what have you been telling the people? Well, this is what I've been telling them, Jesus. What do you think about that? I think that's pretty good. I think they had to have met at Chick-fil-A right? I mean, Jesus is chicken. Absolutely. So so I could just see those conversations over a sweet tea. I don't know if it's kosher or not, but I'm sure it would have worked for the day. It's crazy Did they check out on each other as their ministries started. You see, in, in some sense, John was, was the opening act for Jesus, right? He, he was getting the crowd all warmed up for Jesus to come in for the main production, the main show. John had a miraculous life a calling upon his life as he played the role in his ministry of preparing the way for the Messiah. Don't forget, just a couple of weeks ago, John was present for the baptism of Jesus. He actually performed that baptism. He watched the dove descend, the spirit descend upon Jesus, the Holy Spirit come down. He heard the audible voice of God telling him, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. John was a witness to all of it, but there seems to be an issue here that we're gonna read about in the text. John is doubting, he's got a little doubt that Jesus is indeed who he thought he was. How could he possibly do that? How could John, of all people, being part of that baptism, seeing and hearing the events that took place that day, after giving reports, uh, getting all these reports from his disciples of what Jesus is doing in the world, how could John be wondering? Well, I don't know, maybe he's in prison about to be executed and he's not real happy about that idea. Being locked up for what? For being out there speaking the truth, (laughs) preparing the way for the Messiah. He's locked up because a woman hates him. He is a miraculous chosen prophet of God, the first in more than 400 years and here he sits (laughs) in prison? for pointing out a few of the flaws of the king. What's going on? He's riding in prison, and this Jesus, who you were preparing the way for, is out there doing his thing. You think he's the son of God, and if he's the son of God, and oh, by the way, you happen to be related to him as well, you would think he might, oh, I don't know, say, get you out of prison, right? Now, this is not in the text anywhere, I'm completely making all of this up because I'm assuming one thing, that John was a man like me. And if I were in prison and I was in this situation, what would I be begging Jesus for? To get out. Absolutely. He may have not felt that way at all. We don't know. All we have are these words that he gave it. But if you think about it, if John was like me, I would have been sitting in prison going, Hey, Jesus. Come help me, let's go take out Herod together. That would be great. Come on, cuz, get me out of jail. Let's go, let's do this. Maybe he just wants to sit on the sidelines and watch things happen, I don't know. But I would be thinking that this would be what was happening. So he sends a couple of his representatives, his disciples to Jesus with a question. Listen carefully to what they ask. He calls two of them and he sent them to ask the Lord, this is verse 18 and 19, are you the one who's to come? Or should we expect someone else? Do you hear the doubt in that question? That that isn't very firm. That I believe you are, but just in case, I'm wondering, is it somebody else? So they went, they asked Jesus the question. John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one to come or should we expect someone else? Hopefully you heard the wonder, the curiosity, the doubt in his question. John has been longing for the arrival of Jesus, of the Messiah. He's been faithfully paving the way. And it appears that maybe the Messiah is actually here. But instead of getting to enjoy it or to be a part of it or even just sitting back in retirement and watching Jesus do his thing, he's in misery. And he's destined to be murdered by a jealous, evil king and his manipulating wife. You know what? That's not fair, is it, for John? After all John has done to prepare the way, devoting his life to the cause of the kingdom, and now he isn't even able to witness the movement, so he asks Jesus, Jesus, are you who I thought you were, or was I wrong? Is there somebody else out there? It's possible. It's possible that John heard what Jesus was doing out there and wondering, hmm, That's not at all what I expected. Maybe he was expecting something more. He was to usher in a kingdom. Well, maybe he thought, because even Jesus' closest disciples thought that Jesus was going to conquer Rome and retake David's throne right there in Israel, and maybe John thought the same thing. So if you've ever doubted that Jesus was indeed Jesus, you're in good company. You're in good company. But what have you done with that doubt? There's options here. Did you allow Satan just to creep in and fill your head with other ideas and other thoughts? Or did you actually seek answers for yourself like John? Did you go to the source? Did you go to Jesus? Did you go to his word and look for the answers to the questions that you have? As a reminder, that's exactly why we're going through Luke, so that we can be certain about these questions that we've been taught, if you will, to get a firm foundation under the things that we believe. Then, not only will we be better prepared, but we'll be better prepared to share Jesus with others. All right, so let's listen to Jesus' response. It's so caring, it's so loving, it's so kind. He's not short with him. He doesn't question him. He doesn't ridicule him or make fun of him. He gives him an incredible, incredible answer. Verse 21, chapter 7. At the end of that, at that very time, Jesus had cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind received sight The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. Let me tell you, the deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble or fall away on account of me. God, go back and tell John what's happening. It's an incredible thought. Now, see, John would have known what Jesus was talking about because Jesus was referring to a a prophecy from the book of Isaiah John would have known the prophecies from the book of Isaiah. Do you know why? Because he was one. He would have known the book of Isaiah backwards, forward, sideways, upside down, because he's in, in Isaiah chapter 40. Look it up. There's John the Baptist right there in Isaiah 40. He knew this book. So when Jesus is quoting from Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3, John the Baptist would have known these words. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. And just so you know, Jesus came today for that same reason. If there's something in that passage that you are going through right now, Jesus is here in this moment to comfort you in those times too. Don't think it's just an Old Testament long time ago thing. It's not. That is what Jesus came to do, and he had, in fact, begun doing that. Maybe, maybe John was with the crowd who expected Jesus' kingdom to be ushered in right now. Maybe John was wondering, and I think this is probably very true, when was Jesus going to bring down the fire and brimstone? Like, let's get it on, Jesus. It's time. That was John's teaching method, right? So he's waiting to see it fulfilled for sure. But the purpose of Jesus' message back to John was something very different. It was to encourage him in his difficult circumstances, and it was to challenge him. That last part, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. John, you believe, you know you believe, you know who you are, you know who I am. Don't stumble because of what I'm doing because you think it's not right. John, I might not exactly be exactly who you thought I was going to be, but trust me on this remain faithful. Yes, I am the one you were preparing the way for. Don't give up. Don't lose faith. The kingdom will come, but probably not in the way you were expecting, John. It's okay. You know what's really hard about John's words back to Jesus? We never hear from John again. We have no idea how he received those words. What we do have is contextual clues after the fact. We don't get another report from him directly, but we do find many of his disciples begin to follow Jesus. And even in the book of Acts, we find others who were faithful to many of the teachings of John, but now we're out teaching Jesus as well, long after John's death. So John's message to his disciples must have been: hey guys, he's legit. Listen to that guy. I don't know what's going to become of me, but listen to him. He passed it along and they kept going. So then Jesus, after those guys leave, and I can see him talking with everybody, and he's watching, he's like, okay, they had an earshot. All right, they're out good. Okay, now let me tell you about John. He goes and talks behind John's back in the most flattering way possible. Please, if you're gonna talk about somebody behind their back, use words like these, okay? That would be awesome if you talked about people behind their back in this way. Then it's not gossip, all right? It's a good thing. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. Listen to what he says closely what did you go out into the wilderness to see people why did you go out there a reed swayed by the wind <laughs> if not what did you go to see a man dressed in fine clothes <laughs> no. no 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 those who wear expensive clothes and indulge they're indulging the luxuries those people are in a palace but what did you go out to see Jesus asks a third time and he says a prophet yeah Yes, yeah, as a matter of fact, way, way more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare the way before you. I will tell you, among those born of a woman, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, John. So after John's team leaves, Jesus takes a moment and he offers up some pretty high praise for that man, John, the man and his ministry. Guys, just in case you didn't know, yeah, he was a prophet. As a matter of fact, he's a messenger sent by God to prepare the way for the Messiah, a.k.a. me. Jesus is telling them. He was steady. He was not shaken like a reed, meaning as people came out to confront him, to challenge him, even the religious leaders of the day, he did not move an inch. He stayed true to what he was to teach. He was sober, literally abstaining from alcohol, but beyond that, he was sober in his lifestyle. He lived a very normal, disciplined lifestyle, not in love with the luxuries of this world and the comforts of the world. He was a servant. Now, he might not have looked like much, but that's okay. And he goes on to tell him, among those born of the woman, which for your, rec- for your knowledge would include every single human being that ever existed except Adam and Eve, among those born of a woman, no one has ever been or will ever be greater than he. That's some pretty high praise from God, (laughs) from the creator of the universe. And also keep in mind, as a prophet, no one greater than him, that means Moses, uh uh-oh, Elijah, uh uh-oh, all those Jewish heroes of the faith just got taken down a notch because the top spot just got taken by Jesus, says John, and that was controversial, For sure. No one, no one has been greater than this servant John, no prophet greater than he. But then Jesus adds on one little detail at the end. He says, But here's the thing um, the one who's the least in the kingdom of God is actually greater than John. No matter how great you are on this earth, no matter how important you are, no matter how rich you are, no matter how influential you are, it is better to be the least in the kingdom of God than to be pick your blank celebrity or leader whatever. Once again, messing with everybody listening's mind, I thought, he just said John's greater than Caesar. This is Rome, folks. (laughs) Okay. He just said that. That's a big deal. That would have completely blown people's minds. He's greater than the high priest. He's greater than anybody living on this earth. Then Luke does something a little weird. There's parentheses in your Bible. Uh, that's because this is commentary from the crowd this is information that he gleaned this is insight from the people that were there meaning that probably whoever he interviewed either was in this crowd or had a direct relationship with someone in this crowd because they knew the thoughts of the crowd he adds a little bit of commentary as to what people were experiencing as jesus spoke these words all the people verse 29 even the tax collectors when they heard Jesus' word acknowledged that god's way was right Because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts of the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. Because they had not been baptized by John. Just a little information, inside information. It seems that most people agreed with Jesus' description of John. They were so captivated, so moved by his message that they repented of their sins and were baptized by him. But just like today, there's people who will refuse to believe. They did not accept John's radical teachings of the time. They didn't feel that it was in line with the law as what they saw it to be. So they rejected that he was a prophet sent by God. By doing so, they also went on to reject Jesus, the very one who John was preparing the way for. Throughout Luke, Jesus challenges these religious leaders time and time again to go back and examine those Old Testament laws for the truth. The truth that he came to fulfill and those that genuinely did that ultimately were led in his direction it's a crazy thing Jesus knows the thoughts of everybody in the crowd he's Jesus he can do that and so he uses a parable now I said earlier we're going to study the teachings of Jesus later and we are but this closes up this this message with John very well so we're going to go ahead and include this very short teaching now I've heard this a lot of times and as a kid especially I remember hearing it going what I don't understand this at all. I actually read in a commentary as I was preparing for this message a few weeks ago, a description that I will never forget and makes perfect sense to me now and I fully understand it, I believe now, in a way that I'd never understood it before. Let me read to you what Jesus said first, verse 31. To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? Well, they're like children, sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other, we played the pipe for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, and you didn't cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man came and eating and drinking, and you say, well, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is is proved right by all her children." Now, that's one of the things that I like to do, because when you're reading someone speaking in the Bible, you do know that Jesus didn't just say, and then I did this and that, and he didn't do that. He would have grabbed people's attention as he spoke. The spoken word is very powerful. I never understood the full implement, the implementation, I guess, of this short, short parable Jesus looks at the generation of people that are gathered there and he's speaking directly to the naysayers. They know he's talking to them. There's no doubt. This short parable has been called by some, this is the title it's given, the parable of the brats. I get that because I know what a brat is. We have children here. That's the illustration. We can think about immaturity, yes. Is he calling the people that won't believe, won't listen, immature, yes. As a matter of fact, he absolutely is. And he's calling them brats, and here's what he means by that. No matter the occasion, these children won't play along. They won't get in the game. What do they do? They sit on the sidelines and they complain about everybody else doing what they're doing. Oh, that's all wrong. They won't listen to it. There's nothing worse than that kind of brat. The people that sit on the sidelines and complain about everything but won't get in the game and do anything to help. That's annoying. (laughs) It just is. And beyond annoying in biblical sense, it's actually sinful because it's not who we're called to be as believers in Christ. No matter what the occasion, they sat on the silence and complain. They criticized John. Why? Because he came living such a disciplined lifestyle, one of the most disciplined sects of all of the Jewish faith, that of a Nazarite. They're going to complain about that? Yeah, they said, oh, he's possessed. He has a demon. He's insane. So then Jesus comes along, and what does he do? Well, he actually goes out with the people that are sick and need to be made well, and what do they do? Well, he's a drunkard. He's a foodie. He hangs out with the worst people on planet Earth. We have no use for him or his message or the people that follow him. It's always interesting. Jesus and John had very different approaches, but the same message and the same outcome. Both of them had people just flock to them to hear these words. But it seems that only those that were the most messed up in the worldly sense were the ones that got it. The people that seemed to have it all together, well, you know, they just rejected the message entirely. They had no intent on interest or interest on, on hearing God's word for their life, God's will for their life. They were only able to find fault and reject the message, the messenger, and the believers that followed. So Jesus ends this short story with one sentence, and it's a very powerful sentence. But wisdom is proved right by her children. The people that he was talking to very much would have understood what this meant, the children are the fruit of the wisdom that was being shared the results the outcome hey everybody you're criticizing john that's great but uh have you happened to notice what god's used him to do have you happened to notice all the people coming to him repenting of their sin turning back to your god the god you're claiming to follow have you not noticed The wisdom, the children here of of what he's saying, it's incredible. Have you not noticed all those followers of his that are not following me and listening and changing their lives as a result? Both the wisdom of John and that of Jesus have now left an ever-growing 2,000-plus year trail of children, of traits, of results, of changes within this broken world that we live in. The impact upon Jesus throughout this world through us through his followers is beyond anything that we could compare it to. The wisdom of God is proved right through the lives of his followers and the fruit that he provides through us, that he produces in us, that's how it works. So the question becomes, do you have doubts like John? If you do, that's okay, that's okay. Do you wonder if Jesus really is the only one? Just don't keep those doubts to yourself. Don't internalize them. You're not locked up like John. You have freedom to move about and find out answers. As a matter of fact, you can go directly to the source himself. You can go to Jesus Christ through his word, through prayer, and he will provide the answers you need to help overcome that doubt. He might use me. He might use somebody else in this room. He could use any number of resources, but he, it, it, your, your question isn't too big for him. Your doubt is not too big for him to overcome. So don't ever hesitate to bring that to him. Maybe you're a sinner like me. needs forgiveness of Jesus right now, come to Him. (laughs) Come to Him right now. He alone can forgive. He alone can save. And bring those doubts with you and allow Him to begin to answer those. Now, as I'm writing these things, I, I do them weeks in advance on purpose, so that I'm not heavily influenced by the moment, because things happen in the world. But I always allow space for that spirit to say, okay. And so he had me throw something in and I don't know who I'm talking to, but I don't think the spirit would have had me add it in if he didn't need somebody to hear it. And so he wanted me to add this group or category of people to the list today. Do you have a relationship that's strained with a family member or a friend? It might've been something you said or did, or it could have been something that was said or done to you. That's not really important at the moment. Either way, if you are a follower of Jesus, it is now up to you to make amends. Whether it's for you to go and ask for forgiveness or for you to go and offer forgiveness to someone that has wronged you, it's time to take the first step. I don't know what that is, but I want you to consider this. How would the holidays be different this year if you took that step today? (laughs) If you took the heart of Jesus' message to your life, and carried it out. I know that doesn't have anything to do with what we talked about in Luke today, I understand that, but I'm telling you, God told told me to say that for somebody, and I don't know who. (laughs) Maybe it's temptation, like we talked about last week and open with this week, and it's just raging all around you, and you're like, God, I just don't see the escape, I don't see the path out. You're here this is the path, (laughs) this is your escape, it's right here at the altar right now today, this is your escape path, will you please utilize it, he's provided it for you, it's right in front of you right now. Maybe you're just looking for a family, and you're like, you know, I walked in today here and this place is pretty chill, and it's pretty cool, and not the pastor, he's definitely a geek, but that's okay. (laughs) But the word of God is truth, and that's what we're going to speak here, and I want to be a part of that, man, we would love to have you join our family here. Father God, as we close this out today, we are so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful, so grateful that John the Baptist said, you know what, I don't know if I believe. (laughs) I don't know if this Jesus that's out there doing these things is who I thought I was preparing the way for. I just don't know. So we asked. And I love your response. It's so kind. It's so tender. Father, it's exactly how you approach each of us. When we come to you with our doubts, with our questions, even with our sin, you do not condemn us. No, you love us anyway. And just like you showed love and grace and mercy to John and your response to him, you will show love and grace and mercy to us when we come before you. There is no fear in the love that you have for us. We can bring anything to you. forgiveness we can bring anything to you and you will help restore us so father let that movement begin today begin to prepare our hearts for the season of thankfulness we're thankful for you this place it's in jesus name we pray
2: one reason to give up or to give in to feel like the world was winning you were not good enough ephesians felt that way too but consider paul's message to them praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ in christ god has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world that is in christ he chose us before the world was made so that we could be his holy people, people without blame before him. Because of his love, God had already decided to make us his own children through Jesus Christ. That was what he wanted and what pleased him, and it brings praise to God because of his wonderful grace. God gave that grace to us freely in Christ, the one he loves. In Christ, we are set free by the blood of his death, so we have forgiveness of sins. How rich is God's grace, which he has given to us so fully and freely. Around the table this morning, we remember whose we are and what he has done for us. Knowing Christ and how much he values us should lift us up as nothing else can. As We take this symbolic meal that reminds us of all Christ did for us bask in these wonderful scriptural truths. You are chosen. You are loved.
0: you guys have taken communion, feel free to stand and we'll continue into the service worshiping our Lord and Savior. Father God, we thank you for this service this morning. We thank you for allowing us to come here to worship your holy name. We thank you for the cross and what you endured for us, that you gave us new life. God, we ask you to help us use it that this week to, to remind others of the good news of, of what you've done in our lives and the, and the salvation you've brought to us. We, um, we thank you for today. We ask you to help us through this this week and bring us back here safely. We love you and thank you in your holy name, amen.